A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. We may not be able to get in on the sporting action like we used to, but we can get in on some exclusive offers from Renault. To celebrate their third year as official car partner of the GEA, Renault is offering a range of special offers exclusive to all GEA club members. So now you can take home the win right to your door. Check out Renault.ie forward slash GAA to find out more. With Renault, official car partner of the GAA, taking the passion of a nation to a whole new gear. <music> A grain, alright. A, a grain, alright. It's going to tip the scale. Just remember that, then. There's a small bit of a needle there. Come on. You've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Listen, he's going in. And now they're really roaring. And I can tell you, I'll tell you, that there won't be a cow milk, a county care for at least a week. And by the loud manager, Mickey Hart, who famously managed to own to three All-Ireland Championships. Mickey, if your team was about to go into a penalty shootout in a huge match, would you substitute two players just before the end of extra time and put on two new ones to take a penalty with basically their first kick? Um, I suppose, in, in hindsight, it's easy to have 2020 vision when the thing's over. But I suppose when you pick, like Rashford is a regular penalty kicker for United before Bruno came along, so he, he knows how to take penalties. I think they suggested they'd been practising this a lot in the run-up to the game, and these two young men obviously proved in that situation they were very good. But the difference between doing it in practice and doing it when the, you know, your life's on the line, so to speak, is a very different matter. So probably you would have to think you should have been looking for more experienced players to take that. And uh, it was a hard ask for them. Again, having played no football much on the night and to come in cold, if you like, and strike a penalty, I think it was a big ask and probably not the wisest decision. Did you have your teams, did you have loud practice and penalties this year in the event of games, the, the way it was going to end up? No, we didn't. <laughs> we, we, we thought we were going to win without them. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it was a thing we hadn't attended to. Definitely not. Um, and and, and I, I suppose it was, it was an oversight of ours, uh, but I, I don't like it as a way to finish any game, and, and I don't think it's a good way to finish Gaelic football matches either. Um, I think you gotta you got to find some other way, even if it means another extra five minutes of added time or whatever each way. But uh, the penalty shootout is, is exciting, I suppose, for those that it doesn't matter to, but for the people it really matters to, it's not fair. Oshin, would you have liked to take a penalty? I would have took a penalty, but uh, that doesn't mean I would have scored it. I don't have a massive uh, record as far as taking penalties is concerned, but um, 
I think it's it, it's drama. I think it suits soccer more than it suits Gaelic, probably. Um, and I think when I looked at what was happening last night, I looked at the body language. That was the first thing of the Italian players. It just looked a little bit more relaxed than uh, than the English boys. And I think you know, Mickey's talking about hindsight, and I think that that is the thing. In hindsight, you just get John Stones or you get whoever to, to step up and take them. Harry Maguire's penalty was probably the best penalty of the night. Um, but, Respect um, what you said about yesterday. <laughs> 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 I'm trying to forget about yesterday, Mickey. Um, <laughs> but I think... What happened uh, yesterday? What? What happened? Oh, you were in Bally, the two of you were in Bally Buffet yesterday. What was that like? <laughs> It was good. It was enjoy. I I enjoyed it. I don't think Mickey did, but I I enjoyed it. Oh, I did. I did. I did. I did. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than Narshin even because I think we saw yesterday a real game of football and a game of football that wasn't determined because of the public narrative that comes out there that says that if you play with quality defending in your game, that it's always going to be boring and going to be you know back in time and that's gone now and that's not in the game anymore uh, that's not true i mean the way the modern game is the idea of you playing man to man forwards and defending the way it used to be i say that even goes back to the 70s and maybe the 60s life's not like that anymore and um, you know and especially now the rules are so much in favor of forwards with your with the the mark and with the amount of cards that are handed out for simple fouls or, or very sort of dubious freeze fouls um, it's, it's, it's a forwards paradise at the minute and to expect people to go one-to-one -one defend against that with space is quite ridiculous uh, you need the collective and the collective doesn't necessarily mean that you're defensive or you're negative or anything else it means that you're working as a team and that's what the thing is it's a team game and when you have everybody who is equally able to do everything that's required on the football field then I think we have a great game and you know it doesn't mean to say it's going to be negative or it's going to be boring. Going to ask. The narrative out there suggests that to us. And when we know, when we hear something often enough, people take it as truth. But it's not the truth. This was a wonderful game of football yesterday. I'd say the best game we've seen in the year to date. I, I, would, I would agree with that. Um, but I'm not sure about, about who's peddling the narrative. I think, you know, it's okay to say that... Uh, it, that football is defensive if everybody gets behind the ball i just i just think that um it's okay to be defensive it's okay if that's what your setup is i think rory gallagher's setup yesterday was to contain uh and disrupt and uh be abrasive and all of those uh sort of things and be physical with with donegal i think they achieved that and once they achieved that they had the quality to, to kick on and i think when you look at at the way uh, Rory Gallagher has uh, set up teams in the past. You look at, at Fermanagh, who got a, set, a semblance, I would say, of... of uh, they achieved a semblance, I suppose, of, of pride, and, and they put pride back in the jersey and all those sort of things. But they just didn't have the quality up front, whereas I think Derry, you know, strolled out yesterday and they knew that in the heart of hearts that they had players who could really... Um, hurt Donegal going the other way and I think, you know, you look at Padre Kesty's performance, you look at the performance of Chrissy McKeague and Garrett McKinless and Brendan Rogers, but you also have to take into account that, you know, they have quality forwards, Shane McGuigan who who, who probably spent too much time in defence for me um, but you have the likes of uh, Neil Lachlan 
Um, you have uh, Kieran Fall, who 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 was exceptional yesterday, and they still come out on the wrong side of it. But there's nothing tactically or anything else that, that they could have done in order to get across the line yesterday. They just had to put one of their goal chances away, and they would have won the game. But um, I think Donegal got away with one yesterday because you know Derry had four very good goal chances, and as I say, all they had to do was stick one of them away and would have won the game. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, we're not disagreeing entirely with that, but I just think of the whole language around when, when, when we talk about being defensive nowadays, it's been said so often that it's associated with people who are very negative, and this whole even going back to the terms of the blanket defence and all of this here, that as if there's nothing creative about that. There is something very creative about a team who defends the numbers well and break at pace in the same, and you know, with the same. Ability, so I think that we've got to get that into our heads that you know because you put people behind the ball. Number one, it's not meaning that you're negative, you're boring, anything else. And even to be describing as defensive, say it's it, it can be a creative form of attack. It can be, and it ought to be. And and you see what the thing is now. The game is now a different game. The game is you know it's about problems being created by somebody, and you have to find the solutions. And every day you go out. There are problems presented and you need to find a way to solve those problems and you will not solve problems uh, by just going and playing off the cuff football or man-to-man football that people often mention about as the more creative and more expansive and more wonderful way to play this game it's a collective and everybody needs to be able to do everything that's required on that pitch when you have that jersey on you need to be good at your tackling you need to be good at chasing back you need to be good control on the ball you need to be disciplined you need pace and you need to be able to kick past the ball, fist past the ball. You need to be, be happy if you find yourself in the scoring zone to take it on. And you need to be able to put your body in the lane to block a ball, no matter if you were number 15 or number 2 or 3. That's the name it, of the game. It is. It's, an un- it's an unbelievable feat of, of coaching to get Derry to where they are right now from where they have been. And I think um, people have to sacrifice their games. And uh, and I think that's what we seen yesterday from from Derry was that there was a lot of gays not not a lot of gays every gay in that team was able was willing to sacrifice uh, their own individual performances for the collective and I think that's what it had to be because I don't think if you if you if you match them up one for one I think you know Donegal are, are much better they have much better players coming off the bench and um, but the collective yesterday from Derry was was truly unbelievable and the way they have turned. Um, that dairy team from where they were to where they are now, and, and look at it's a recurrent theme. But look, at, they they needed a back door this year, um, as much as anybody else did. And I know, as I say, I know we're saying that every week, but um, in particular, dairy, I think would deserve another opportunity or another chance to take some of the big boys out. Mickey, we had Kevin, we had Kevin Walsh, the former Galway manager, on here a few weeks ago, and he very clearly set out his reasons about why he thought the people who criticised the way he had Galway playing had it totally wrong. And it was clear at the same time that he was stung by some of the criticism of him um, in the media and in, indeed from some people in Galway. What, what account do you take of the way you and your teams have been portrayed in the media? Um, well, I mean, I think it's people that, that aren't looking with a very forensic and detailed eye it's you, you get the currency of the day comes through, whatever the narrative is that comes back. There's a group think mentality out there, and I said in journalism as well. Lots of people sit together, they talk together, and they decide the same thing together. 
there's not much independent thinking. And independent thinking takes you beyond what everybody else thinks they see. You need to see what you really see. And you need to be able to open your mind to see that, you know, even, even no, no, I don't want to be going back on you, Oshin, or anything else, but even the, the, the language you use there about sacrificing. I don't believe people sacrifice anything. I, you know, we're, the suggestion is that, you know, these out and out forwards. What's an out and out forward? There is no such thing as an out and out forward. There's, there is no such thing as forwards and defenders, backs and forwards. There's footballers. And we need people who can play football in every aspect of it. And I, I don't think, why should, why should defenders be sacrificed to say man and man with a load of space and the refereeing conditions that prevail at the minute and expect themselves to do well? This is a collective game from start to finish. And we need to be creative around that mentality. And, you know, for people to, if we're told often enough that putting people behind the ball is defensive, is negative, and we have been, we've been tortured with that for the last 10 years of this is an awful way to play football and it's, and it's causing difficulty for these so-called aristocrats of football. There's no aristocrats of football anymore. It's a complete player we want, people who can do everything that's possible uh, that's going to benefit their team. So I think we're talking about, and, and indeed, that, that I, I understand that the defensive side of thing that we talked about in the past, where you just plant people behind the ball and wait on them to come at you and, and see how far they get in before you just smother them out, that has lived its life, if you like. We have to move on. We have to advance that methodology. The way to advance that is, number one, we've got to put pressure earlier on the people who are coming out. We can't allow them to come on as, as much up the field as was done in the past. Then we've got to put pressure on when they get into a zone and that has to be quality pressure, discipline pressure, where you don't allow them to be comfortable on the ball. Now, that may not easily be done now when everybody's behind the ball, because people have come to understand that. If everybody's in front of you when you have the ball, there's a complete luxury to play this at your leisure around the back of the arc, and you play it around from one side to the other, and you're totally comfortable. We have to take that comfort away, and we have to make, create an anxiety on the player on the ball. And when everybody's in front of you, that's not easy to make happen. And especially now when the goalkeeper can come out and be your extra man. So because there's nobody else up the field. So you've got to have some people waiting when the ball passes them that they come from the other side. So now you haven't got this luxury of playing this ball about your leisure, knowing there's no panic. and you're not, you, know, you can't make a mistake because there's nobody there to do anything about the mistake. So you've got to people coming from the other side of the ball. So yes, it's the same philosophy but in a, another form of that philosophy, which is you have certain numbers of people, yes, facing the ball, facing the people coming at you, but you have people coming from the other side as well to create that anxiety and put the pressure on them where mistakes will be punished. I think the, I think the, the teams that are, that, are, that are doing really well are, are teams with out-and-out forwards. And I think when, we, when I talk about out-and-out forwards, I mean, Dean Rock, he's no defensive duties. He doesn't have any defensive responsibility. Uh, come um, on. Come on now, Paul Mannion, uh, Dean, I think, they all I think, have got to go back, they've all got to Sam, go back and do the work. Dean Rock doesn't ever go back, he, ne he never goes into the pivot, he never goes into the last 15. Sam O'Roy, there's another uh, man who has no defensive duties whatsoever, and, and rightly so, because he's your out and out forward. Oh yes um, he does, yes he does. He Darren, does. McCurry, Darren McCurry at the weekend never went into the last 15 because he doesn't have any defensive duties because he's our out and out forward. Um, Patrick McCreary, no defensive duties because he's the right and out forward. Um, I, and and you look at Killian O'Connor, who who is who has loads of defensive duties and is still expected to get up. 
He doesn't have the energy to do that. And yesterday, we've seen Shane McGuigan taking the ball off his own lane, and yet he's supposed to be at the top end of the field kicking the ball over the bar. He didn't have the energy to do that in the end, and that's effectively <clears throat> what cost him. No, I, I, you're I telling me you're telling me that you have samurai uh, with loads of defensive duties. He has the same responsibility as everybody else when we don't have the ball. When we don't have the ball, it's everybody's responsibility to get it back. As far for as those for those who don't know, it's Sam Mulroy is a forward on the loud team that that Mickey Hart manages, and a very good one at that too. A very good footballer, and obviously very good on front of goals, and can kick points, freeze everything else. A physically strong, imposing man, and he has the same responsibility as everybody else to get that ball back. And and I I admire. And you watch Paul Mannion. Do you ever see Paul Mannion? On well, I'm not talking about Paul Mannion, Mickey. I'm talking about Dean Rock. Dean, well, Rock Dean, Rock does a, Dean Rock has zero defensive responsibilities. He never goes back into the 15 behind the ball. Never. Can't, can't agree with you. Can't agree with you. No, he might not go back. I don't expect own. you to agree with me. I'm just telling you that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, let's look at the evidence. Let's think about the evidence. I'm not saying going to argue point for point is he in the 20-meter lane or the 30-meter lane, but he certainly oh, has been, like every Dublin player, have been behind the ball when they haven't got it. If it's even 65 yards in their own gold, do you tell me that you've never seen 15 Dublin men in their own 65 when somebody else has the ball? Have if you ever seen that? Have you never seen that? Have you never seen that? If somebody else has the ball for two minutes or something, he will eventually go back in. But he's no defensive duties whatsoever. He's the he's at the top of the lane. He's the person who they leave up. He's the person who they want on the end of everything. And look, they, they manipulate the ball that much that you know he's the one who's on the end of things. And look, that's that's okay. I, I I'm okay with but, that. You know, I'm not. I'm, I'm okay. not saying. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that Dublin don't get men behind the ball. I'm, I'm not. I'm not peddling that. That's not what mm -hmm. I'm peddling. I know that mm -hmm. Dublin get as many men behind the ball as as anybody else. But that's that's grand. That's not, I don't have a problem with that. Mm -hmm. What I have a problem with is if you're if you have an out and out forward. Okay, an out-and-out forward, like Shane McGuigan, who has no energy whatsoever because of his defensive duties. Killian O'Connor is the exact same. Dean Rock is not. Dean Rock I, doesn't have any defensive duties. Mm. Darren McCurry doesn't have any defensive duties. I saw him back in the middle of the field yesterday, tackling a man. Who? I'm not saying that they don't have to get tackles in, Mickey, but I'm just saying like they don't have any definitive defensive duties. I mean, when they fall back in, they get bodies behind the ball. Who are they going to leave up? But that's that. But see, even even if you're saying talking leaving up, if you're leaving up one player, no, most people think leaving up one player isn't good enough anymore either. So well, that's you know, so you're completely changed from your time, Mickey. They leave two players up all the time. Two players in the uh, in the. In the in the forward end of the field, and that, and that's 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 okay. Hey, I'm, hey, I'm okay hey, with that. There's 13 players behind the ball is probably enough, I imagine. But you expect you should tell me that we never left anybody up in the forward line. Now, hold on a minute. No, hold I'm on. not. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that well, the the role completely changed from way he was doing it. No, I said I didn't say completely changed. I said they've changed. I said they've changed. changed. Completely changed. I I love to hear every word. You know. Completely changes what you said. <laughs> Can I ask you? Did you go and see? Did you go and see Tyrone and Kevin Mickey? Did you go I did. You yeah. the match? I was at the match. How, yeah. Did you detect a changed approach from from Fergal Lohan and Brian Doher? I detected a change from the way they played against Kerry and the way they played against Gavin. That was the change I detected. 
And the and, and what, how would you how would you pinpoint that? What is that change? The change was that there was not uh, three or four players up in the front half of the field on a regular basis. Uh, everybody put their hand to the wheel, so to speak. When Kevin had the ball, everybody tracked back. They put pressure on, and that actually created a good space for Darren McCurry when they got the ball. That's how he got a lot of his uh, first-time ball in there. Now, there's still a slight problem with that um, in that he was very far away often from the ball, had to be kicked from a distance. And while there was a suggestion that there was good passes played into him, I would suggest that some of the passes that were played into him weren't good at all. Uh, there were two of one-on-one, but for Darren McCurry, a man of his quality and all that, to have to catch a ball way above his head and land, and I, I keep saying this all the time, you know, when you're up in the air, everybody's the same speed. You know, so pace or speed doesn't matter now. So he was getting the ball where he had to actually wait on it, catch it. Okay, it's, it's to him. But a, to, a ball to a man nowadays is not a good ball at all. The ball needs to be put to where he can go or where he should be on his way to. On his way to after having lost his marker and created some space for himself. And that those kind of balls, I didn't see so many of them going in, but Darren McCurry was on fire. He had a young debutant on him. And remember, Darren McCurry now has been playing inter-county football since 2012. So he was hugely experienced for the marker that was on him. And it probably wasn't fair to the young man that was on him. But uh, so, and again, you know, when you count that as a strength for somebody who gets 10 points, five frees and five, and, and it can be a strength, surely. But what's the opposition going to do the next time that man's out? You know, they're going to really pin him down. So if you take away, you know, a team is far better with a real spread of scores. And, and it, it actually, well, it's great thing you enjoy it when somebody's having a field day. It's also dangerous for the next game that's coming up because if you take that and negate that real scoring prowess out of the team, then you're going to need to find a lot of others to, to compensate for that. Paul, you probably won't believe this, but me and Mickey actually disagreed last week on the fact that... <laughs> that, that um, I'm enjoying holding the coats here. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I, like, the direct ball in, I suppose if you're a corner forward, uh, and you've been playing in the modern game, you'll probably take any ball. And I think that's what Darren McCurry has learned over the last number of years is that, you know, it, it hasn't come in on a regular basis, whereas at the weekend it was coming in on a more regular basis. And I think um, if I look at McBrearty yesterday, and uh, it just wasn't coming in in the regularity that it has been in the past because Derry were getting so many men behind the ball and it just wasn't on and they had to play through through the lanes but uh, I think when you're a corner forward in the modern game you'll take it any way it comes and uh, we had a dis I wouldn't I don't know if it was a disagreement last week Mickey but um, we we would with a, a difference of opinion yeah that uh, you know I Arma hoofed a lot of ball in and and probably. Um, you know, in hindsight, probably didn't play the ball into the to the to the favor of the forwards, but at least it was coming in. And you know what? If you're if you're a forward and you're in that situation, just any sort of ball in whatsoever is is just like it's 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 nice for that ball to, to come in at some stage. Like you're you're a forward. Like when you grow up, you know you have a couple of choices in life, and one of them is to become a defender or become a forward. And uh, and look at uh, you know as I would normally say well, if I'm picking teams you know uh, for for a match in training I'd say um, defenders go on the left and footballers 
uh, over on the right. So, like, I don't think there's enough people who sacrifice who sacrifice themselves anymore for um, uh, for the team. And I think I know I I continue with that one, Mickey, if that's okay with you uh, of the sacrifice, because I do think that um, that whenever you're in the corner in corner forward, like if the ball's not coming in, what do you do? You try and get out there and you try and get on the ball, and all of a sudden. When somebody looks up, there's nothing in the full forward line to hit. And I think it takes takes particular patience in order to stay in there. And I think that's what makes Patrick McBrady's uh, winning score uh, so good, that he had the patience uh, to, to keep in the game and stay and stay and stay and have the patience to kick that score at the end. And I think that's what makes that score in, in particular very, very good. But I think if you're a corner forward, you'll take any sort of ball that's coming in. I will. I, I'm. I'm thinking. You know. I don't even. I don't even talk about those things anymore. I mean, a corner forward. I. I don't see anybody as a corner forward. And and again, if you're talking about, you know, uh, the defenders, then do you think defenders have nothing to do when they defend? So their job is just to stop, stop, stop. If defenders are just stoppers and just then they're sort of killing the opposition from doing anything. So they have to be creative as well. You know, if they get the ball and aren't creative with it, if they can't do things with the ball. So a forward... Did you think, think, think Chrissy McCaig was, was creative yesterday? Do you think he was creative? Yeah. Sometimes, I well, occasionally. Not as creative as he would like to be. But but he had a job to do. He had a job to do his job. Exactly. Him right. So okay. what, did it, what, what do you normally associate Chrissy McCaig with? We normally associate him with playing at six. We normally associate with, like the the the, the memories I have of Chris McKeag are uh, taking Dave McConley out of the game when they played Vincent's going up and kicking four points from play. He didn't have that opportunity yesterday because why? Because he had to sacrifice his game and he had to sacrifice the game in order to take Patrick McBurdy out of it. Were were Derry a better team as a result of that? Of course they were. Do you know what I mean? So I think that there's there's defenders who have to be out and out defenders. I play with defenders, Mickey, who could never be creative. You know, I understand the game has changed a little bit since, mm-hmm. since then. Mm-hmm. But do you, mm-hmm. I still think that there's there's room in the game for the defender who just defends. When he gets the ball, he fist passes to, to somebody in, in, the, in, in the middle of the field or wing yeah. backs, and he goes mm-hmm. back in and does, does his job. So there has to be some sort of sacrifice oh, I, from percent, 100%, 100% I agree with you in that by all means. You know, that's the beauty of individuals. We're all unique individuals. We've all got unique gifts and talents, and that's what makes a team. It's the sum of the whole. The sum of the parts is greater than the than the, in the the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. So we need people for different jobs by all means. And of course, I'm never saying that you don't have a man marker. You don't have. We call them tigers. Call them what you will. Of course you have. Of course you have, and you need that. But you know, would would if you had left Chrissy McKay in one on one with Paddy McBrady? Yes, they would have took him to the seventy-fourth minute to get a point from play. Would it? Not a hope. The, the, that, that was never going to. That was never going to happen, though. Aye, but that's no. the alternative. That's the alternative to not have a numbers back to back up the man who's de- to delay him. <coughs> but, so that's but why nobody's saying that we shouldn't. They shouldn't get numbers back. I mean, you know, it's obvious that they need to get numbers back when you look at the what they're coming up against. I mean, it doesn't. It actually doesn't matter who they're coming up against, and they've played that that way all year, even against Offaly. You know, in the in the in the league final, that's exactly the same way they played. And the only difference yesterday was that I felt my in my opinion was that Garrett McKinless had no opportunity really to get forward in the way that he was that day because he absolutely destroyed off going through the middle and uh, Donegal didn't allow that to happen. And and do you know what? 
Derry didn't want that to happen because he was so important at playing as a sweeper because Derry wanted to lock the thing up and 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 play on the break and 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 we're very good at that and all as I say all all Derry were missing yesterday was the goal. They had to take one of the four or five goal opportunities to win the game and then it was like tactically a perfect uh, execution of what they were trying to do. Yeah, well, I, I agree with you, and I still think Gareth McKinnis went forward pretty well yesterday as well. He did a number of good forays into the Donegal defence, and he actually scored a deadly point in one of those forays, and um, near the very end, then he was involved as well. I think probably at the end of the game, the, the, the referee gave Derry a chance to get a draw to that game again, and, and I feel they didn't, they didn't actually challenge the Donegal men to either let me go or foul me. They passed the parcel around for a minute when they didn't even have a minute. <laughs> it was very good to give them the minute they did. I think somebody needed to break the line there. Somebody needed to take it upon themselves to go out. And that was, a, that was a pity now because they had the chance. And I think if they'd done anything that looked halfway like going at somebody and incurring a free, they would have got a free very handy. So it's a pity they didn't. But back to the whole thing again, that's just an incident or a little part of it. But I think, you know, we're agreeing here with each other despite the fact it seems we're not. Because, because it's a very particular Tyrone Arma agreement, if you don't mind me saying so. <laughs> well, it's an amicable difference of opinion. That's the good thing uh, about it. Uh, can, can I ask you? Can I ask you both a question here? Actually, Declan Bonner was saying after the game, he was talking about how Donegal had shown that they weren't flaky, more or less. That's what he was saying that they'd stood up and that the criticisms of them was there. Why was he saying that? Because that's that's it's obvious. Um, this past three years, you know, it's been put up to them. Uh, Mickey will tell you about the day that they were up in 2018 in, in Bally where Donegal looked as if they just had to see the game out and Throne come back and beat them. Um, then the year after, they go to Castle Bar in a must-win game and, and they kick 16 wides, I think. Um, you know, a lot of them very, fairly simple chances uh, and they go out of the championship um with a bit of a whimper, I would say. And then last year was put up to them against Cavan and they had no response whatsoever. And I think yesterday was a big day for them because um it was it felt similar. Felt a wee bit similar to to, to what went on last year and we were in the athletic grounds for it. Um and it doesn't really seem that long ago that um when when Cavan started to start that onslaught, when they started to push up and the kickouts and started to win uh, initial possession in the middle of the field that Donegal really had no answers uh, so I think yesterday was important for them and I think it was important because a lot of the young lads had to step up, Neil O'Donnell uh, McGonagall in the middle of the field um, so I think it was an important day for them and I think they, they, hey, you have to be conscious of that even if you don't mention it in training or whatever it's obviously you know the mind, a lot of, of what's going on a lot of the mindset has to be around Listen, lads. When it's been put up to us in the last three years, we've we've buckled, and uh, and I think that has been the case. And I think yesterday uh, they were able to stand up and they were able to win that game. And I think that's a big thing uh, psychologically for them. Mickey, have you talked when you were managing Tyrone against Donegal? Did you think that if you squeezed them, they crack? Um, no. I, I think you know we're talking about different eras here. Like the Donegal team that that of the time when they really were at themselves were very difficult to break down. Because they, they had they had that system very well work. They had physically imposing players and very good footballers in the midst of that defence, if you like, when it really was a packed defence, when it was really before people had 
moved on to more creative ways of challenging that pack defence. That was when Donegal were their best. They had a real solid block there and people foolishly tried to take themselves into that block and thinking, I'll go in here and I'll get out the other side. But you never, you got that up. Um, it was only then, and I suppose maybe Dublin again introduced that. Like Dublin thought they could beat them. It was in 2014 or whatever year, well, what year, 2012 in the semi-final, whenever they thought that they could, uh, no, it was the 14 semi-final. They, 14 they lost, semi-final, yeah. Uh, they lost that final. Dublin thought they could, you know, do without, uh, you know, a, a, a dealing with that. Yeah, and, and they thought they could, that they, they could break them down. And you didn't have to think about breaking them down. You could think you just play your own expansive game, whatever it was, and go through them. But um, that time, they were very strong. And they made the transition fairly well as well because it was a method of play that anybody who came into the team knew how to play. And, and they're very good. They're very disciplined. They, they control the ball well when they have it. And when you have it, they filter back. And sometimes, I suppose, uh, in the f- forcing to asking people, you know, you, this is what happens if you, if you go to play Donegal and go to play this so-called expansive football where you try and keep loads of people up the field, um, then they'll 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 suffocate you, and 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 because you're open at the back, they'll cut you on the break as well. I mean, we found that out in the semi-final, an ultra semi-final a couple of years ago at Breffney. I mean, we had decided maybe we'll try and be this more expansive sort of open football game and uh, we went at Donegal and sure we got cut for a goal early on because we hadn't got the defensive cover that we needed so you know Donegal know how they want to play the game they have perfected it to a high level and I didn't see them play any way different they know that they're good in numbers and defense they're good footballers coming out of there and 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 they have people up front who can score um when they need to uh, use them so you know the game is changing all the time it's not sort of going to be one way only or not going back to the future or back to the past or anything else it's just a never evolving game of football and i really think it i look at it in this way there's problems and the solutions teams and uncertain will present you with problems you've got to find the solutions and when the solutions are found then there's got to be a new problem created and then there's got to be a new solution and that's the name of the game you know, did nothing stand still, nothing stays the same. We're going to come back and talk uh, just at the end about the Tyrone Donegal meeting next week. But if we talk about solutions, do you think Kerry, if we turn south for a minute, have found the solutions? Um, well, again, obviously they have quality, real um, exceptional players in, in, the mid, in their midst. They have a very good team, but they have three or four key or exceptional players. That's always a great bonus because then you can hurt people uh, no matter what happens. But I think that Kerry, by playing too many people up front, um, will also suffer because they, like nobody else, like everybody else, can't handle one-to-one marking in the modern way the game and the rules of the game at the moment, where the mark, and I think it's a ridiculous thing to have. I mean, a forward mark is the most ridiculous thing we've ever introduced to our game. Um, it's crazy. I mean, what are we? That's here? something we can't. That's something we definitely can agree on. <laughs> yeah. No, why is it? I mean, why? Why do you get a free for catching the ball even at your feet? You know, it was introduced to to improve high feeling. Whatever that was about, anyway. Too, I never understood that either. That high feeling was to be the be all and end all of Gaelic football. I mean, give me a break, like you know. There's so many skills in this game. If we're gonna, you know, make it easy for somebody to catch a ball above their head, why do we not make it easy for somebody to catch a ball on their chest as well? Because essentially, that's what we're doing by introducing these mark things. 
Um, so that mark thing makes it very difficult for defenders and it takes away, it, it negates the, the skills of defending as well. When somebody gets the ball up the hand and you got to walk away, you can't touch them. Give me a break. Like, so we need to forget about that bit of it. Um, and we need to think about, you know, what is it that we want out of this game? Why are we chopping and changing the rules uh, all of the time? And and just leave it alone. Let's let's play for a number of years with the rules that are there. And we're we you know we're adding in advantage rules, and we don't know exactly how they're being played. One referee will play them one way, another will play them another way. Um, it's just asking too much of the referees for a start. When you add all these time factors, step factors, the card factor, and add all add this all in, and no matter many times they meet, and the many times they look at videos, when you go out in live time, that's a different job, and it's very hard to do, but. If we took away the number of things they have to do, we could expect greater consistency with the things that matter. Mickey, uh, this is this is a question. This is not a statement, okay? Um, <laughs> but but just looking at Kerry last year, okay? So they tried to get bodies behind the ball, and I did, I personally speaking, I didn't think they looked in any way comfortable doing that, and uh, and they've changed this year. And I think I think my own personal opinion is that that they can't win in All Ireland playing that way, and that. It's going to have to be a shootout against Dublin or whoever in order to do that. Would would do you see any? Do you see any of that? Do, do, is there a reason why you know Kerry can't play that way or don't seem to be able to play that way? Um, do you know what I'm no, saying? I know. I, I know what you're saying. I I don't think anybody uh, can't play that way. I think people have got to decide or choose to play whatever way they think is best for them. Um, and I still think that it's about you know, doing what you need to do at any given time. And it's a simple fact is, yeah, there, there's two aspects to Gaelic football. There's with the ball and without the ball. It's what you do when you have the ball, what you do when you haven't got it. These are the two These are the two things that matter most of all. So when you haven't got the ball, what do you do? And how quickly do you try to get that ball back again? Where do you send the opposition with that ball? And where do you not allow them to go with that ball? They're key things you've got to think about. And when you have the ball, then you've got to decide, you know, We've got the ball. If you had a number, if you had a, a big number of players back to to get the ball back, then you don't have much up front. When you get the ball back, the the secret is how quickly can you have people up front, and your team must be, you know, must be programmed to know if we turn the ball over thirty yards from our own goals, and we have people coming out of this ball, we need people up there. We need people up close to goal. In the, in the middle sector of the field and we need people wide so we have got options so we have the options of running the ball when we have to and kicking it when when there's people there to kick it to and that should happen within seconds so i think you know it's not as if by doing one thing you take away the other i think you have to have on both if you like well do you think do you think uh, they would have scored six 17 or whatever they scored against their own having played playing the other way well I'll send you back to the record books here, right? Since records began in 1940 in Ulster Championship Football, there's two times Tyrone. Tyrone are the top scorers in Ulster Championship Football. Two of them are the, are the last years we won them there. The last two years we won the Ulster title. We're supposed to be a pack of negative you-know-whats and you know, getting these people behind the ball and boring and all of this thing. We're the top scorers in the Ulster Championship for two in two years. And number one and number two, it's Tyrone are the top scorers. And we're that team in this era, playing football this way that's supposed to be negative and not expansive and all of that. So 
I rest my case, like you know. No, but I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about Tyrone. I'm talking about Kerry. And I just, well, like you're talking about I the philosophy. They... You're talking about the philosophy. You're talking about that that philosophy of playing football. That philosophy well, I, of playing football can get you buckets of scores. Well, I'm, ta- I'm talking about what I've seen, and I just I don't feel as if I've taught. I've I've tried to figure this out in my own head about DNA and 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 the way they want to play football and and what's suited to them. And I've watched them intently, and I watched them coming to uh, coming to Monaghan last year in the, in the after the COVID outbreak and the first game back, and they play with two defensive wing forwards and just don't look comfortable and 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 so therefore when I went down to Killarney to watch them against Tyrone I thought well if they play two uh, negative wing forwards surely that will suit their game today because it will be a leg for leg with what Tyrone were doing and that's not the way they played you know yes they got bodies behind the ball when they were able to slow it down but other than that they were very extremely expansive and and probably even since the championship has started against Clare and Tipperary they haven't been as expansive as that but they were exceptionally expansive and I think that's the only way that they can beat Dublin um well I mean you talked about the uh, the Tyrone apparently that day I didn't see the the game we had a game ourselves around that time um that like we're Tyrone Ultra defensive, as people would call it, that day, or did they? No, decide? definitely not. Well, then, but Tyrone mean, forgot to make a tackle that day. <laughs> yeah, Tyrone yeah, didn't yeah. tackle and chase. They didn't. Mm. They didn't put pressure on the ball anywhere in the field. They allowed people to run through. You can play any system you want, but if you don't mm. want to make a tackle, you can't mm. win. Mm. Well, I just watched Kerry even in some of their their championship matches in and Munster there at the moment, and they are tackling like tigers. Every forward, every man on the field is putting his. Um, shoulder to the wheel. He's when the opposition of the ball, they're filtering back. They're, they're and they don't probably have to go back so far because they're so good uh, in terms of the opposition they've met to date that they can strip them of the ball before it even becomes a so-called defensive setup in terms of being deep in your own defence. So they're 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 really they're tackling like tigers. I'm telling you, I've seen them. They've, they've Do they feel like a team? Do they feel like a team? You know that sense you get of a team that's coming and about to win an All Ireland. You could see it the way you you guys turned over Kerry in two thousand and three. The the label of puke football turned thrown at you from Kerry, ironically. And you, but the sense was then that you were a team who had arrived. Do you get that sense about Kerry that they are a team now who has arrived, who have arrived, and are about to win an All Ireland? Um, you can say that by all means. They 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 look like the team most likely to do it right now, um, because they've been there consistently. I think the hurt of getting beaten last year in the knockout championship by Cork is really not sitting well with them. And obviously, it doesn't sit well with them that Dublin are winning so many All Irelands because that's not good for anybody. It's not good for Gaelic football in general that they're winning so many, and somebody's got to do something about it. And who else would be the ones who'd be best equipped to do something about it other than Kerry? So they are top of the list now for who can possibly do that. And and that's why the timing could be just coming pretty right for them. Uh, I know obviously Tyrone, Armagh, Monaghan, Donegal and Mayo, Galway possibly. And, well, and it's not going to be all of them, but in the knockout system, one of those are going to come through from each of the provinces to have a go at Dublin as well. So it's not just all down to Kerry, but I'd say if you're looking about in the order of merit, Kerry's the one that looked like nearest to being able to do that at the minute. I'd say 
if Mayo beat Galway, they'll come in with a lot of belief that they can do it as well because they're a very good emerging team as well. A lot of transition has happened within that team and they're still winning games handsomely and they're growing in confidence. Uh, so whenever they play Ulster, we'll have come out of a serious battle and, and we'll be battle-hardened for the road. So, you know, I think it's going to be a very interesting championship as it goes on from here. Why, why do you think Mayo have fallen short in recent years? Um, well, there's a number of things. I think they've been very unlucky on a number of the days they were out there in finals. Very unlucky. I mean, imagine conceding two own goals, never heard of before in an Ireland final. Still nearly won it, you know. Um, those sort of vital last minute things that, 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 that happen. Um, obviously, Donny Vaughan, I think, that, that sent off that he did, they could have won that one if that hadn't happened. So a lot of little incidents happened along the way. The, maybe t t Tom Parsons been injured at a vital time whenever he was a serious player for, for them. So, you know, there's an accumulation of things that happen. It's not this people just thinking, oh, they haven't got it. I mean, yeah. I've always said this about Mayo, you know, give me another team that's been in so many All-Ireland finals of them and, and you know, would they not be boasting about being in all those All-Ireland finals? And yet it's seen as a noose around their neck. Oh, you've been in too many finals and can't win them. My God, what counties throughout the country would love to have been in the number of All-Irelands that Mayo have been in? And would be very proud of it. And and the fact that they keep coming back and keep knocking the door, they will kick that door down eventually. And, you know, I think they have a lot of quality in their team again. And the transition is well on its way to be made, you know? Oshin, the... The, the sense is that Kerry are different. Do you see them being caught against Cork this time? Uh, no. I think, uh, look, at they're, they're forewarned, forearmed, whatever way you want to put it. Uh, and I think that that has been part of the driving force for them this year. Uh, I think they extremely hurt what happened last year. I think last year they were in a, they were in a nice position to... To, to to keep going and and uh, and possibly uh, whip uh, Dublin last year, but I think uh, they're a little bit different. And I think every day to go out, they seem to be finding uh, out little different things about them. I personally, personally speaking, I like them with legs in the middle of the field. I think uh, I watched them with Spillane and uh, and O'Connor in the middle of the field. And I think they're better like that. I think. David Moore, and yes, he has, he still has plenty to offer. But I just like them with legs to get back into to that defence and 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 uh, trying to get bodies behind the ball. And I think as time goes on and they play against uh, better teams, I think you know that's going to be necessary. I don't think David Moore gives them that anymore. Uh, he obviously gives them a big outlet in the middle of the field whenever you know their kickouts are pushed up on. But uh, I think the 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 restarts are still an issue. Um, you know, and even seen with with Tipperary at the weekend that, you know, they were able to to turn a few of them over, and, and I think as the teams get better, I think you know teams will focus on that. So, um, still a few issues there for me, but look at the you know Dublin don't seem to be in the same place as they were. So, I mean themselves and Mayo have a great opportunity this year to um to cause a massive upset. Mickey, do you think Dublin are vulnerable this year? Well, you know, I suppose we can say that. We've been seeing that for a few years. We thought they just maybe were a bit that they, they played their best. And, and obviously, a lot of their very good players have gone through the system and there's new ones in. And it's very hard to find people as good 
as a, as those boys like those boys weren't the household names because of one off years or one off seasons. They were they were seasoned, you know, footballers who who gave a lot to Dublin and and knew the system very well as well. So yes, that you have to believe that can't go on forever. And and you do get the feeling I suppose you know you're looking at results here. Like you know, in the last number of years, there's no way that Sligo or not that Sligo, no way Wexford would have got away with an eight or nine point beating, whatever it was. It wouldn't have happened. There'd have been six goals in the end of that. That's what would have happened. That that didn't happen gives some cause for optimism for everybody else to believe that Dublin aren't just as good as they have been in the last number of years. But the proof of the puddings in Eaton, we would have said that last year as well, and they still were able to do the business. But I think this being a bit of a different season now where it is summer football and Teams are now getting road hardened, if you like, through their own provinces. However, challenges may may or may not be for some of them, but um, I do believe that the gap is closing. Other teams, the chasing pack, are getting closer, and maybe Dublin's coming back a bit towards them as well. I don't think it's a one-way traffic where they're staying ahead and everybody else is still chasing up. I think the chasing pack are getting closer, and you do feel that Dublin are being reined in a wee bit because they just don't have as many quality personnel as they've had for the last number of years. Would you have liked to have had your 03-05-08 contingent to have a crack against Dublin? <laughs> ah, yes, you would, and I'm sure Ocean would like his uh, Armagh of the Naughties to get at them as well. Uh, but again, different eras, different times. You know, we, 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 we wouldn't be dealing with, you know, the same issues. We, we, we'd all have to adapt. If we were playing what Dublin are doing at the moment, the way we played wouldn't work for them. That worked at that time. This is a new way of playing the game, and you'd have to adapt and you'd have to change if you're going to challenge them. You couldn't the quality, them. I agree. I agree with that. But the quality of players that you had at that point, mm. like you, what the great success you had was to mold that quality of players into a team capable of winning at that particular time. Yeah, it, it strikes me that you could play. You just simply didn't have the quality of player towards mm. the latter years in in Tyrone. To, no, that's to, fair to, to say. To that's fair to say. You just you don't get those kind of players all of the time. It's a sort of a players of a generation, and a number of them came together at the same time, and that's true. And I think we did well to stay where we did with that transition taking place. Though not everybody seems to agree with that. You think to be supposed to win all Ireland's every year now in Tyrone, but anyway, that's 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 what life yeah. happens sometimes. But um, there was there was criticism within Tyrone, wasn't it? Is that fair to say there was criticism within Tyrone over the last number of years at the failure? To, to knock Dublin off their perch or at the failure not to get to more finals and to win more Ulster Championships? Uh, yeah, well, that's it. I mean, that's the way it happens. You know, people expect so much more um, and, and you can't do anything about that. Um, uh, you know, I think we did reasonably well. I think we were in a lot, of, a lot of quarterfinals, a lot of semifinals and a number of finals. And I think that that was a good achievement given the, the, the players available at that given time. And let's, let's remember just a few facts about this. I mean, when we were doing well in the noughties, we're doing that on the back of All-Ireland minor wins, All-Ireland under-21 back-to-back wins, and a lot of good footballers that hadn't won All-Ireland, like Peter Canavan, Jerry Cavan, Brian Dewar, and people like that. And now we're talking about Tyrone won on the last All-Ireland minor in 2010, the one on under-21 in 2015. That's the two... All Ireland champions that they have to call on in the last ten or eleven years. So there has to be something about that, like to say, why would you expect to have an All Ireland winning senior team if that's what's coming through in terms of All Ireland winners? 
on that. So there's a wee bit of reality in that, but not everybody looks at the reality. They just look at the the quick fix and they look at you know the here and now and 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 obviously people want change anyway. Like people like change for change's sake. So that's that's understandable. Did you find it hard not to be on the sideline last Saturday against Cavan? No, I didn't, you know, because that's it. You know, life moves on, the world changes, and you find yourself in a new place. I went along very contentedly as a spectator last Saturday evening, walked in with me and Gavin went into the stand, just to, like we're Tyrone people, like through and through. I've been to the Tyrone minor match, and I've been to the Tyrone under-21 game, and I've been to the Tyrone senior game, and that's who we are, and that's where we belong. So we went along, and it wasn't my place to be doing that this time, so that's it. I, I, I'm very privileged to have had the chance to do that for as many years as I had, and I was going along there, very happy to be a Tyrone supporter, and very happy that they're into the next round. And have you been in touch with Fergal Lohan and Brian Doher? Oh, absolutely. When they were appointed, I was in touch with them and uh, wished them well. And after that, I don't think it would be right of me to be talking to them. They need to be able to go on and do their own thing. And I, I'm very happy that, you know, they are good people and they want the best for their own football. And, you know, we, we hope that we'll be celebrating many good days in the future. Why did you take the loud job? Uh, well, I take it. Well, number one, I was asked to take it, or asked would I take it, and uh, number two, obviously my brother, my late brother Pete, lived in Louth for many years, married to uh, Asna, Asna Bernard from down there, of two nephews down there. I just, just, um, and Peter Fitzpatrick was a very uh, impressive guy as chairman of the county board, and how ambitious he was for the county to move on and to be successful. So we have family connections. Uh, the colours didn't put me off either, uh, <laughs> white and red, <laughs> and, uh, and, it's, and, and, and they are ambitious, they're ambitious, and I figured that they were a better team than Division 4 team, I've been watching some videos and stuff of them, and I said, yeah, we'd, we'd like to go to work with those boys, yeah. What's the first thing you did when you went in? Uh, <laughs> well, first thing I do was have trials, you know, we had to take uh, all the people's information of players who played over the last number of years, very wet nights in November and December. We had trials under lights and tried to refine the squad as much as we could. And then when we got a squad together, we just had to uh, sort of lay the ground rules for them that, you know, that the county board's ambitious, we're ambitious, we need you to be ambitious so we can all make this happen together. We're on a journey and this journey must take us to a better place than we are now. And, you know, that will be what it's about. It's about the journey, not the destination. The destination is to take care of itself. We need to be on a journey, a journey to create a culture of winning here, uh, a journey to make the people of this county proud to be supporters of Louth. We want to create a bit of a sparkle in the lives of people here. And you're the people that are capable of doing this because people look to county players. They, they feel very proud when they're doing well and they associate with them. When, when the county team wins or when you represent your county and wins, the whole county wins. And, and when you don't, uh, the whole county hurts. So you've got a real, you've some gift here to have to give to the people of Louth. And we want to help you make that the best possible gift it can be. Okay, we do a thing here every week, Mickey, where we, we predict who's going to win the matches. And uh, we'll put all, I mean, Oshin, we're not going to talk about your prediction of Limerick to beat Cork last. Uh, well, last you've, just, you've just done that. Yeah, well, you, I mean, and you, and you, prom <laughs> really. you promise you wouldn't. Yeah, um, and 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 I do want to say that I did predict Derry to beat Donegal, and that was the one that I got wrong last week. But I do think I have a bit of a moral victory over that uh, on that one. Which I is don't all think so. Um, let's start with Armagh against Monaghan. Oshin, Armagh against Monaghan. 
these teams are so well matched it's scary and even you know even down to the just the way they play um Monon just love to play through the lanes uh, don't really feel, seem that comfortable on the break and I think just for that reason uh, that Arma can be a little bit more direct um, I think that uh, Arma will just maybe just squeak it I think just I just think there's a there's a real feel good thing about Arma that I haven't seen in some time I think the best players that we can get into that into that squad are there and i just think that that might just carry us across the lane but look at it's it's almost impossible to call but you know you know me paul i never back down from a challenge i'm gonna go with armad win by win by a point or two maybe mickey and that game that's the same thing i say that the, the four division one teams obviously are in the ulster semi-finals and, and and that's that's probably true to form and and therefore the four of them survived in division one as well which says there's not a lot between any of them none of them appeared in the final so they're probably around the same level and um, as far as that game's concerned i agree with Oshin. it's very difficult to call what you would suggest is that that there's an appetite there should be greater in armagh they've they've been coming now for a few years and probably making progress through the leagues there and they need to maybe make progress in the championship. So I think there's a greater desire, or should be a greater desire in Armagh to clinch this one. Um, talking about going back in time, I think it's 2008 since they won an Ulster title. And I think there should be a greater hunger. Monaghan have been there and done it a number of years. Um, still capable of doing it again. But as if you were sort of thinking about it, you'd have to maybe give the nod to Armagh just again, just slightly. Um. Before we move on, actually, can I just say, Oshin has spoken with remarkable fondness about Tyrone over the last number of weeks that we've been doing this show. Would you have the same love for Armagh? <laughs> Absolutely. See, the people must read this whole thing and they think that we were so much at each other's throats and it was daggers all the way. And absolutely not. I think there's absolute respect for Armagh uh, from Tyrone. And, and I would still credit them when in the All-Ireland 2002 being the catalyst that actually brought us on in 2003 because it's nice to see if your neighbours can win the All-Ireland then you know we know what our neighbours we know our neighbours better than those that's far away from us so we know what they have to offer we know that we could maybe match that so I think it's good it was good that the two of us were going at the one time I think it helped both counties to be as successful as they were and you know even sure that all Ulster All-Ireland final was supposed to be some kind of a bloodbath in Crow Park and Jones's Road because of these Hallions coming down from the north. But it wasn't like that at all. You know, we were, we're very respectful of each other. Of course, we want to win. And, and there's people, of course, in every county that would rub salt on the wounds of anybody else. But, you know, the majority of people are not like that. The majority of people are above that kind of stuff. They enjoy being winning and they enjoy putting one over in the opposition by all means and having the bragging rights. But all, ultimately, when all said and done, there's great respect within the GA as well. Um, thank you. I, I, so both of you are going for Arma. I think Monaghan will win. Um, Dublin against Mead. Oshin. Uh, Dublin. Maybe not just as convincingly as they've beaten uh, Mead in the past. I think the one thing you have to do is you have to match up Dublin physically first and foremost before you even think about. Uh, doing anything else, and I think that's why Mayo have been as good as they've been against uh, Dublin over the years. Is that first and foremost they are able to match them physically. Um, I've seen me; they definitely have improved a little bit. 
Um, I think Morris gives them something a little bit extra up front, but he's he's not maybe just as physical as as he needs to be. Even though he's he's very good at winning his own ball. Um, but I, I just look at I can't I just can't I could not not tip tip Dublin to win this because um, I think they'll improve. I think there'll be a little bit of heart. I think the Stephen Cluxton thing. Uh, in a roundabout sort of way may help them this week and may focus the minds a little bit more. There's a little bit more focus in Dublin this this week and I think that may help them in a way. So I think you know Dublin should uh, run out eventually comfortable enough. Thank you. Uh, I, I think the same as that. It would be foolish for anybody to pick, no, not to pick Dublin. Um, yes, Meath had a great outing there in the last round of the championship and I think they'll take great hearts from that uh, because... You know, they, they, and, and the, they know that they're not as far away from Dublin as they appeared to be even on the scoreboard the last few times they played them. Um, so I think that Meath will give them a much better game. And I think it's probably not good for Meath that Dublin are being seen as not having played very well in the first round because there's going to be a kickback from that. And they're going to have to go out and prove, you know, that we are as good as we used to be and you better take us for serious again. So they still have a lot of quality, quality footballers in their team, Dublin, and you know even with the new faces in there, you still cannot see cannot see anything but a Dublin victory. Maybe not play as much as it would have been in the past, but I think they still win. Yeah, I'll go for Dublin as well. Kildare against Westmead, Oshin. Really putting your neck in the lane there, Paul. Um, for your second, for your second favorite team, um, you have to stop this. You actually just have to stop this. Uh, I would have really impressed with Westmead. This year, really impressed with them. Uh, I don't think, you know, I think I said the last day, I don't think they've got out of the season what they deserve so far. Um, Kildare, I just don't trust them. Um, and, like, they, they they sailed very close to the win the last day. You know, if awfully had been able to take their opportunities, you know, you've you seen that game. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to throw it out there. I'm going to say Westmeath. Mickey. Yeah, I think it's a close call as well. Um, I think Westmead have done well. They, they know that despite their relegation business, they've come back and play, playing good football and they have a lot of quality players in their team too. Um, but you still, I still think that Kildare will be better for that game against against Offaly. Remember, they're coming in cold at that stage and Offaly have played. Uh, you know their league final they played against Louth, and they had sort of they were match ready maybe more. Um, so I, I think that Kildare will have enough to win that one. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I, I've I've given up on tipping Westmead. So I, I surprise, I would, surprise, I would... surprise, surprise! You're agreeing with Mickey. Everything Mickey says, you're agreeing with. Well, I mean, I'm an independent Mickey... thinker associate. This Mickey... is we're not going into the schoolyard here now. Mickey, Mickey might seven, not be but... here next week, so who are you going to agree with then? <laughs> Tyrone against Donegal. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Who is going to win this match, Oshin? I tipped Tyrone at the start of uh, the Ulster Championship to win the Ulster Championship because I thought they would progress uh, more than probably they have done, but I still probably see enough in them. Uh, I thought I thought uh, physically they looked they looked very very good at the weekend as far as you know. Uh, fitness was concerned. I thought they finished the game really, really strong. 
the worry I'd have on them is, you know, the scores of the putting up is not just what the top teams are putting up, but uh, I think, you know, the, the, the Kerry game was a massive kick up the hole for them. And uh, and I think they've they've improved defensively from that. I think Mick Demi is a, is a big thing. I think if, if well, he, sh- he should get off in my book. I think that was a, a very soft sending off for me. Um, but, uh, I th- and I think if he gets off, I think, you know, still Toronto, a, a bit like Kildare, I just can't, I can't build up that trust in Donegal. I tipped him for three years to be the team that was going to maybe topple Dublin, but I just don't trust them anymore. Uh, I'm not sure how good they are in the middle of the field. I'm not sure how uh, McFadden and McGonagall get around the pitch as much as uh, they should do. I thought Con Kilpatrick was, was, was pretty good for them for uh, Toronto at the weekend. Um, um, so I, I think just about... They'll probably start McShane as well. It's just about Tyrone, maybe by a point or two. Pandering now, Mickey, but off you go. Who do you think will win that? <laughs> well, I'd agree with Arshin there that the Ronan McNamee case is a very big issue in this game because he has been marking Paddy McBrady for the last number of years and does a reasonably good job on that. Uh, obviously, he needs help. Anybody needs help to do that to mark Paddy McBrady. So if, if Ronan gets off, then I'd be very comfortable in suggesting that Ronan win this game. Uh, if if he doesn't, it makes it more difficult. But I think there there must be, like I said, there has to be a greater hunger in Tyrone to win this game. We've suffered at the hands of Donegal this last few years too often for all our likings. And and I think that you know, uh, out of Bally Buffet, I think it's a better chance of beating Donegal than beating them in Bally Buffet. So with that neutral venue, and if Ronan McNamee is 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 where I hope he is on the field. I'm going for Jerome to turn the tables this time and be in the final. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with both of you. I think Donegal will win it. I think uh, Michael Murphy hopefully will play a lot of the game, if not all of the game. And I think he'll, I think, I think Toronto will struggle to contain him. So we'll go with Donegal on that. Good man, I, Paul, good man Paul. You're eventually growing a set. Well done. <laughs> this has been a long hour. Um, thank you, Larry Ryan. We're done. Uh, thank you to Larry Ryan for running this podcast, to Raf Rocca, and I'd like to take this opportunity to congratulate Raf on Italy's win last night in the soccer, uh, to Tony Lean, uh, to Reno, to everyone at Examiner Sport for making it happen. A huge thanks to Ushin and especially to Mickey for joining us. We'll be back soon. With Reno, passion for what drives you, official car partner of the GAA. To know what's really happening, subscribe to the Irish Examiner today at irishexaminer.com forward slash subscribe. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.